0: Good morning, how is everybody? Notice how I said that? I said, how is everybody? Okay, that's kind of, I don't know what that was. That just kind of came out of my mouth. I'm so glad you guys are here today. Look at the person next to you and say, I'm glad you came today. Okay? And that person, if you don't know them, they're like, you don't even know me. But I'm glad that you're here today. I want to welcome our LaGrange campus. If you're worshiping with us in the city of LaGrange, Noonan, would you give our LaGrange campus a big, warm welcome? Today... If you're worshiping with us online today on Facebook Live, I want to say welcome. We're launching a new series today called This Is Us. And I had someone ask me um, last week, they said, is this going to be a relationship series? Because that's kind of serious and I'm I'm dating a girl and I don't want to think I'm getting too serious. I don't know if I want to bring her because she's watched the show on NBC. No, we're not going to talk about that, okay? We are going to talk about the greatest opportunity that we have as people. So the best part about today is I get to talk about your favorite subject. I get to talk about your favorite subject. No, not money. Your favorite subject. You know what everyone's favorite subject is themselves? Let's be honest, all right? Social media wouldn't exist. If we didn't care about talking about us. So I'm going to talk about you and you and you and you and you and that guy sitting on the couch on Facebook Live, I'm even going to talk about you today, okay? We are going to talk about us. So real quickly, you need to make this gesture to the person beside you to say, he's going to talk about us. Do that real quick. He's, make sure you use the right finger, okay? He's going to talk about us. He's going to talk about us today, okay? We're going to talk about us today. And uh, it's so important because as we begin this series over the next four or five weeks, you may be visiting our church. Some of you, even here, you're not even believers in Christ yet. And I just want to say, hang around for a couple weeks. Because if you want to know what church is all about, and you want to know what this whole Jesus thing is all about, and what does it mean to really be a Christ follower, you're going to learn a lot over the next four or five weeks. It's going to be awesome. So please come back, please. I know you're like, man, I just came because I lost a bet with my friend last night, right? And I'm glad that you're here, and we're going to be talking about that. So when we talk about the church, sometimes people get kind of squiddy, because believe it or not, people are kind of territorial about their church sometimes, right? I mean, especially in the South. Sometimes people can be territorial about the church. But as a church, we have existed for longer than this church has been around. In fact, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus Christ died on a cross, he died, and then 40 days later, the Bible says he was ascended to be with the Father after he came out of the grave and that the church was born right? This whole idea of church. And so church is not this building. We're going to talk about that more throughout the series. Church is not this location. Church is not uh, the place that we meet at in LaGrange. You are the church. So look at each other and say, we is the church, okay? We is the church. If you say, I don't like my church, look at your neighbor and say, we got to fix that, okay? We got to fix that because we is the church. So Southcrest has been around since the year 2000, Now think about that. How many of y'all remember this funny thing called Y2K, right? We were literally born after, as a local church, we were born after the whole Y2K thing happened. You remember Y2K? That's when you had glow-in-the-dark bathroom tissue because you were afraid that, you know, if something happened and all the power went out, would I still be able to go to the restroom? And just weird things that happened in the year 2000, right? But think about how much has changed in 17 years. Think about what the world was like in the year 2000 and think about what the world is like now. Like for instance, look at this. This is Justin Timberlake in the year 2000. <laughs> Shout out to you JT, hope you're watching me on Facebook today, okay? This is what he looks like now. All right? And and I know I know I saw some of the look on some of y'all ladies you go, this is us. <laughs> me, you JT, okay? this ain't you and jt okay the next one look at this when you in the year 2000 this is how you listen to music right you had a discman because we had compact disc and you listened to this and if you were really really rich you had one that had an anti-skip device on it didn't you right and you'd be running it it, it, it like this right (laughs) so that 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 was then this is now We don't even, I mean, it doesn't matter what device. It streams to us, right? I mean, you can have anything, and it's crazy. So look at this. This was then when you wanted to watch a movie. You went down, and you got yourself a Blockbuster card, right? Remember Blockbuster? Yeah, some of you go, I've never heard of that before, okay? Uh, In the year 2000, this is how you went and rented a movie if you didn't want to go to a movie theater. But now, look what you do. You just turn on your TV, and you turn on Netflix, all right? And I know some of you children in here, you're like, Netflix wasn't around in 2000? right? Because that's all you know, okay? Look at this one real quick. Back in the day when you wanted to go somewhere and you didn't have a car, you called this yellow car and it came to your house. It was called a taxi. Taxi. And, and, and you were like, man, I want to, I hope I have a good taxi. Listen, we have gone crazy in 17 years because now we call a total stranger and we call an Uber. Yeah. Hey, Uber, come pick me up. Who is it? I don't know. Oh, do you know who this part, I don't know. We just we get in the car with anybody, right? Remember stranger danger? That's gone, okay? <laughs> Cuz you're with a total stranger. Okay, look at this real quick. Back in the year 2000, when you wanted to know something about horses that you didn't already know, you went to the library, you got out, you went to a table, you found these set of books called encyclopedias. If you're under 20, encyclopedias. It's where the word Wikipedia probably came from, right? And you would go to the H-cyclopedia and you would sit down at a table and you would open it up and you'd get to H-E-A-H-O and there would be a whole section there on horses and and everything. And, and, And in the year 2000, that's still how we found information. What do we do now, 17 years? Hey, Siri, what's a horse, right? A lot has changed in 17 years. Look at this way. This is what your computer looked like, okay? And if you still have one of these computers (laughs) at your house, I just want to say Windows ME was a total hoax, okay? Get rid of that thing. This is what your computers look like now. Basically two or three devices. In fact, it's even weirder. Now we have watches, right? And and I remember thinking, one day I'll be able to speak into my watch, and and I still go around every now and then going, Captain Kirk, Captain Kirk, Captain Kirk, okay? I just think... A lot has changed in 17 years. Now, some of you go, man, I didn't realize that a lot had changed. You realize a lot has changed in our church. Let me give you an example. Back in the year 2000, we were one church, 17 people, and one catfish restaurant. (laughs) Let me show you a picture. This is where we met, Catfish Hollow. We were one church, 17 people, one catfish restaurant. That's how our church began in the suburb of Sharpsburg, Georgia. That's where it all started. That's where the vision of this church was born to say, we believe God wants to raise up a church that will literally change South Atlanta. I mean, look at the first worship service. I think we may have that there. This is what some of the earlier worship services were looked like. I mean, look around the building. It looks totally, look at LaGrange, look around. It looks totally different now right? That's who we were then. That was the year 2000. Now let's, let's, let's skip ahead to 2017. Now we're one church, over 2,000 people, two campuses, and two cities. A lot's changed, and yet a lot hasn't changed. I mean, think about it. Look at these photos real quick. A lot different than Catfish Hollow, right? A lot different. That's from our LaGrange campus, and that's here at Noonan. But But a lot has changed. Because why? The world has changed. And when you think about it, think about this alone. The world has changed so much in 17 years, but sometimes the church, and when I say the church, I mean the big C church, hasn't always changed with the times. I always thought it was funny because I didn't grow up in church. When my friends who went to church, I would go to their youth group, and they would sing certain songs in youth group, and then they'd get in the car, and they'd have a whole other playlist. I'd be like, why don't you listen to the songs you listen to at youth group? Oh, that's just for youth group. That's just for church. We got kind of a church playlist and we got a real playlist, right? I, I often wondered that, like, does God not like? I mean, wh- what is that? I didn't understand because I wasn't even a follower of Christ. And think about it, how much has changed in the church, how people dress has changed in the church. Some of you go, I would have never been able to go to church in a pair of jeans. And now you're like, bro, I'm going to church in a pair of shorts. I don't even need jeans. It's changed a lot. The methods have changed, right? Remember the little thing on the back of the bus that said, follow me to VBS? Okay, a lot has changed. The songs we sing have changed. Why? Because we have changed and our culture has changed. But there's something about the church that hasn't changed. And the silly thing about that is this. Sometimes we make the church about the wrong things. And we say, well, man, I just want to be the way it was when I was four. And I don't know about you, but even when I look at those photos, as great as that was, I'm glad that we have changed. And I'm glad that we have continued to progress the vision of this church. That God is still doing something amazing. See, when I talk about the church, I talk about the local church. That's a group of people who come together around a common vision and say, this is how we're going to live out the mission of God together. You see, the local church, whether you realize it or not, it's the one movement in the world that can transform our culture and change a generation. It's the one movement. That literally, God said, I want these people to stay here on the earth, and as long until the day I come back, I want the local church, I want the people, the the church, to be about this one thing. And sometimes we forget that that's who we are. We make church about a lot of things, don't we? I say this a lot. I don't want to go to church. I just want to be the church. I don't want to go to church. I remember I had friends growing up in, in school. I wasn't a believer until I was 17. And they would say, I got to go to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night. We got Tuesday night visitation, got Wednesday night supper. And then we got church after that and a, and a prayer meeting. And, we got, and, and it's like it, it, it was all about how many times we could get to the building to have church. The problem with that is this when I was 17 years old, I gave my life to Jesus Christ and I realized that I could no longer go to church because I was the church. Did you hear that? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ in this room, church isn't something you attend, it's something you are. And it's something we are. A church is not a building. It's a movement of people. South Atlanta needs the church. Noonan, Georgia needs the church. LaGrange, Georgia, needs the church. We are here for a specific reason. America needs a church. In fact, I want to say this to you. The church is the hope of the world. As bodies of believers gather and say, we're going to be on mission together with God. Why are we here today? Some of you say, I'm here because every seven days this fits into my social calendar. Every seven days, my mom will call me and ask me, did you go to church today? Here's why we're here. We're here because the church is the hope of America and of the world. We're the one entity God left here on this planet. He said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So what does God want to do? He wants to wake up his church. Listen, God wants to wake up his church in South Atlanta and get us back to the mission that he's called us to, to where we can stand boldly before the world in which we live in and say this, this is us. This is us. This is us. So if we're going to understand that, there's some things we need to know about who we are. So let me talk about this for a few minutes. Every church has the same mission, but each church has a unique vision. Every church has the same mission, but each church has a unique vision. I want to pop that out for you real quick. What is vision? Vision is nothing more than how are we going to organize around the mission of God. How are we going to organize around the mission of God? So it brings back a a very honest question. What is the mission of God? If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. If we're going to organize ourselves and have a vision around God's mission... What is that mission? Why are we here? What are we here to accomplish? Matthew 28. It's known as the Great Commission. Whether you realize it or not, um, the word Great Commission, Jesus never said, and now I'm going to give the Great Commission. Those were never Jesus' words. It was a title we put above... As scripture was written over years, it was a title that was put above a section of scripture where Jesus in his very last moments on earth basically gave his final speech to his followers. And at that final speech, he said, I want to be very clear about when I leave what you are supposed to go do. And in that moment, Jesus said these words, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. He said, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth Has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Before Jesus left, he gave one clear mission of why you and I are supposed to spend our lives changing the world. Here it is. Go back to verse 19. Go and make disciples. Why do we exist? What is our purpose in being left here on earth as believers in Christ? What are we supposed to rally around? What is it that God has called us to? It's one thing. Go and make disciples. That word disciple It's a word that a lot of people talk about in our day. They say, well, a disciple is someone who knows this much. No, a disciple isn't someone who knows a level of intellectual knowledge. Here's what a disciple is. A disciple is someone who's truly following Jesus Christ. The word means learner. It means to come alongside. And what God said is you gotta leave where you are and you gotta go out to where these people are and I want you to help them know what it means and lead them to follow me. Follow me. It's a very clear statement, and yet sometimes in the church, we make church about a lot of other things. Like, is the church here basically so that we can just have good moral training? No, the church isn't here for that reason. The church is here for more than that. We're not here just to have a Bible study. It didn't say, go therefore and make Bible study students. It says, go and make disciples go and make people who will follow me with their entire life. So if that is the mission of the church, then here's what we got to know about the mission. The mission is static, but the vision is dynamic. The mission is static. Jesus already told us what we're here to do. Isn't it good to know you already know what you're here for? I already know what I'm here for. You already know what you're here for. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't have to guess. What am I going to church for? Because the goal is for us to come back here every Sunday and celebrate so that when we leave on Sunday, we go out on mission for God because it's called the great co-mission. We're to join him in his mission and it's to go and make disciples. Think about how simple but how complex it is. The mission is static Jesus declared it. He already told us clearly what it is. But the vision is dynamic. What does the word dynamic mean? It's still being developed. Think of that word vision. When you go outside your house every week or every day, you look outside and you have a level of what? Visibility. You walk out and you see down the street, I don't know any person here who can look 200 miles ahead. If you are, man, you're superhuman, right? Right? But you go out and you have visibility of what you can see. Our vision is, this is where God is leading us to organize ourselves around the mission of God. That's why we're here. That's what the vision of our church is all about. The mission determines the what, but the vision keeps us focused on the why and the how. How are we gonna organize around this mission? How are we gonna stay focused on this mission? It's kind of like this. Many of you went on vacation this summer, and I probably would guess most of you didn't get in your car and you said, hey, we're going to go to the beach. But you failed to define which beach you were going to go to or when you were going to arrive or when you were going to leave. So you all get in the vehicle and you just start driving. And some of you say, that is exactly what my husband did. <laughs> he never asked for directions. Okay, he's a guy. Pray for him. But the truth is this. Vision is our focus of how we're going to organize ourselves around the mission of God. God. That's all it is. And so for us as a church, our vision is very clear. It's been this way for 17 years. To reach South Atlanta one relationship at a time through gospel, grace, growth, and generosity. We're going to be talking a lot about that over the next four weeks because sometimes we assume words mean a certain thing, don't we? Well, when you say growth, what do you mean? When you say grace, what do you mean? When you say generosity, what do you mean? We're going to talk about that. But I want to focus on this one right here, reach, reach. When we say reach South Atlanta, you know what we're talking about? We're going back to the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations. You know what nations that includes? The Noonan Nation, the East Calweda Nation, the Northgate Nation, the Arnold Middle School Nation, the Cannongate Elementary Nation, the Summer Grove Nation. Because that word nation means all people's. All peoples, all peoples. God says, I love people more than anything, and I want you to leave where you are, and I want you to go to people. That's what our church is about. Our vision defines what we do and why we do it, it defines what we do and why we do it. So, if we truly are the hope of the world, because we are the church, If we truly are the hope of the world, why are so many churches dead? Is it because they don't have good vision statements? Is it because they don't have lights? Is it because they don't have a band? Is it because they don't have a building? Why are churches dead? God's doing amazing things all over the earth, and it has very little to do with a lot of the things that we think are important in the church, but it has everything to do with the church staying focused on the mission of God. Why are so many churches dead? Why are so many churches more committed to their past than they are their future? Why are so many churches committed to their comfort than they are the Great Commission? It's one simple answer. We get off mission. We get off mission. Now, it happens to me usually when Tracy says, will you go to the store for me? She sends me with a list And I usually text her like four times while I'm at the store. Did you say, Chef Boyardee? Okay, trying to figure that thing out. And I don't know if it's you. I go to the store when I'm hungry. I never go when I'm full. So that's problematic in and of itself. But you know what I do when I get in the store? I'm like, squirrel, coffee, donut. I get off mission. We do the same thing in the church. We come to church and we say, man, I want my church to be like this. I want to have this. We need to have this. We need to have a slide. We need, <laughs> we need to have this. We need to do this. We need to do this. And, and the one thing that we sometimes forget is if we don't do this, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. If we don't reach South Atlanta one relationship at a time, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter how many buildings we have. It doesn't matter how big our budget would be or how small our budget would be. Because God has us here for one reason, to stay on mission. You know why else I think we get off mission? We start to think church is about us. I mean, let's be honest. We live in preferential generation. You can go to this amazing device anytime you want and change your preferences. This is how I want to set it up. This is what I want to do. Jesus never said, go you therefore and set up your preferences. He said, go and make disciples. And so sometimes we think the church is about us. Look at your neighbor real quick and say, hey, it's not about you. It's not about you, boo. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. This is his church. This ain't about me. Well, I want to make this statement. I think this is very true, but we need to get this. It doesn't matter who's preaching on this stage. It could be any of our staff, it could be a guest speaker. God doesn't just say, Well, man, I only favor Sean or I only favor No, no, listen. Anytime we stand and call our church back to the mission of God, the Great Commission, and we preach and teach His Word, God can speak through anybody. Trust me, if God can speak through me, God can speak through anybody. You know what I'm talking about? God can. It's not about the personality on the stage. It's about the purpose of why we are here. We are here to stay on mission. So what happens when we stay on mission? Here's what happens. First of all, when we're on mission, we go. We don't stay. Let me say it to you this way. The church doesn't grow from the inside out. The church is always meant to grow from the outside in. When Jesus said, go make disciples, it was an emphatic statement. Don't stay. Go, go, go. Let me ask you a question today who are you trying to reach one relationship at a time who go the emphatic mission of the church is go when we're doing this our message is real clear it's gospel it's good news you see we have something that society and culture and internet and facebook and snapchat and all those other things can't ever give a person The good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for your sins so that you could be reconciled back to God. And God put him in a grave, and three days later, he came out so that you and I could walk in forgiveness and hope and freedom. That's the message of the church. We have the gospel, it's powerful. Our motive becomes love. We're going to love you regardless. I want to say something. You may be watching by Facebook, LaGrange, Noonan, all of us here today. You may be in this room and you go, I hope that no one figures out what I'm really, really like. And I want to say to you today, it doesn't matter. We're going to love you regardless. Because that's how God loves you. The church's motive is really clear. Love. You know what Paul said about love? I love this. Paul, he made this statement. He was talking about all these other things failing in first corinthians 13 he said where tongues are they will cease where all these other things are they'll cease and then he says this about halfway through the chapter he says love never fails love never fails when we are on mission for god our motive is i love you i love you and then our method it's going to be messy Hey, church, I want to ask you a question. How messy do you want to get? I mean, if you want a country club, just go join a country club. They'll even rent you clubs. But if the mission of God is for us to take the love of Jesus and the good news of Jesus and to be out there going, then it's going to get really, 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 really messy. And you say, oh, that's going to be tough. Well, what you forget is you were a mess one time, too. And Jesus came and he reached you. I was a mess. Can I, can I be honest with you guys? Your pastor's a mess. I have a lot of hang ups in my life. I got a lot of weird junk that I'm still like, why do I think that way sometimes? Why do I, why do I sometimes not believe? Why, why do I struggle sometimes with it? You know I've, I've learned? If the church isn't messy, it's probably not going, it's probably not sharing good news, and it's probably not loving. Because all we've done is huddle a bunch of believers together and say, you good? I'm good. Let's go. Okay, and let's go home. Oh, let me tell you, man, when we're on mission for God together and we rally around the vision that God's given this specific church, we are going, we are sharing good news, we are loving, and it's going to get messy. And I love it. I praise God that we don't have to play church. I praise God that we don't have to sit around here and act like we got it all together, folks, because we don't. But I praise God that God saved this mess and he saved your mess. And the one thing we have that this world is looking for is not how pretty you can look, but how much do you want to reach the messy and the hurting and the broken, because every one of us have been messy, hurting, and broken. Oh. The church is the greatest institution in the world, and God said, I'm going to leave you with this one mission, and I'm going to leave it to you guys, and and, and you guys are going to fill the whole earth with my glory. Why? Because you're going to go and make disciples. So what happens when we don't engage the mission and we don't embrace the vision? Here's what it becomes. The mission becomes about staying. Stay. Stay. We're just here for ourselves. Jesus didn't say stay and make disciples. He said go and make disciples. The message becomes about legalism. You know what legalism is? It's basically we get together, and the reason why we love coming to church is because we all behave alike. Well, at our church, we don't do this, 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 and this, but we do this and this, and we're all together in our behavior. (laughs) Oh, man. Jesus didn't die so we could have legalism. Jesus died so we could have freedom. I am free from legalism. I don't have to do anything to make you think better about me because Jesus already told me who I am. The message becomes legalistic. The motive becomes judgment. Right? We start judging each other. Do you know what she did? Do you know what he did? I hear people say it all the time. Well, I left a church because someone judged me. I left this church because they judged me. I want to tell you, this is the best. Planet Fitness, you got nothing on us. The church ought to be the best judgment-free zone in the world because our motive is love. We're going to love you in your mess, and we're going to show you how Jesus wants to set you free of it because he does. And then the method, when we go this way, it becomes rigid, right? This is how we do it. You remember the seven last words of the church? We've never done it this way before. Before is one word. (laughs) How about that? It's six. Okay, seven, six last words of the church. We've never done it this way before. We get rigid. We start saying, this is how we do it. Don't make changes. Don't fix anything. Hey, it's gotta be this way. If you don't, I'm gonna be upset. Blah, 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 blah. Listen, guys, how many people do we wanna reach for Jesus? Because all of South Atlanta is growing and God's bringing people to here left and right and they're moving into my neighborhood and your neighborhood and your school and your school and your school and your school. And I just want to tell you, God's literally saying to us, I want to bless the people that will get on mission with me and live out the vision I've given them and make it all about that and everything else doesn't matter because what matters is, this is us. This is us. This is who we are. We need to stay on mission for God and live out our vision, and the world will say, This is us. It's us. Think about when the church started. Remember, I told you the story about Jesus? He gave his famous last words, and he said, This is what you're to do. You're to go make disciples. Well, what happened after that? If you have your Bible, flip over to Acts 2, and we're going to close there today. In Acts chapter 2, we call it day one of the church. This is what the first church looked like. This is the first church service. So just kind of think about it. You know, this is the moment when it all happened. Peter's up there preaching. Pentecost happens. The Holy Spirit comes, starts infiltrating people's lives, and the church is born out of Pentecost. Which I want to say something. You know what that tells me? The church ought to always be led by the Holy Spirit. It should never be led by our traditions, and it should never be led by our comfort. It should never be led by our preferences. It should only be led by the Holy Spirit of Jesus. God, where are you taking us today? Develop the vision in us. So Peter's up there preaching. (laughs) And all of a sudden, when Pentecost happens, these men are so moved by what it looked like to have Jesus in them through the Holy Spirit that they thought they were drunk. And in Acts 2, Peter starts giving an answer. He says, these men aren't drunk. It's only 9 a.m. in the morning. That's a very honest answer. (laughs) Nobody gets that drunk by 9 a.m. in the morning. He says, they're not drunk. It's 9 a.m. in the morning. These people are empowered by the Spirit of the living God, and they are now here to declare the works and the wonders of God and the message of Jesus Christ. And he preaches, and I want you to show... I want to show you what the first service looked like. I want to show you what the first day of church looked like. Acts 2.41. Look what it says. Those who accepted his message were baptized. You know, the first thing you and I ought to, I ought to do if we identify with Jesus is be baptized. It's one of the ways we tell the world that we're a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ. He says they were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's messy, That's messy. I've stood on those steps of the south side of the temple where literally you see the pools where 3,000 people would have been baptized. What did they do? You think think it's chaotic around here sometimes. Like, oh, the church doesn't have their act together. They don't know what's coming or going, blah, blah, blah. That's messy. (laughs) That's messy. 3,000 people walked in and said, I'm a follower of Jesus. Look what else happens. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. And then look at verse 43. I love this. And everyone was filled with awe. Awe. Folks, listen. We won't have any, time fulfill- we won't have any problem fulfilling the vision that God has for this church if we will get our awe back instead of our mm. It's time to sing mm. The sermon went over. I got to get to Luby's. I got to get to the, before the Methodists do. (laughs) When our greatest goal is to beat somebody to lunch. That's not our mission. (laughs) I mean, we'll watch college football for four and a half hours, but if church goes longer than 70 minutes, we tap out. I've heard Vern Lundquist give the wrong player's name several times over four and a half hours and I still stick around for that. (laughs) You men know what I'm talking about. Guys, listen. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Verse 44. And all the believers were together and had everything in common and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Look what it says. Every day... They continued to meet together. Every day, they continued to meet together. Every day. I want to say something to you. You can't get community just by watching church on a video screen. I love technology. But they met together. Why? Because that's where they discipled and challenged and helped each other grow and prayed for each other. And I want to say, man, if you're not in a life group, you need to get in a life group because you need some people to meet together with. You say, I don't need anybody, I can do this. No, you can't. We were never meant to do life alone. They continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And look at verse 47. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know what that is a perfect picture of? That is a perfect picture of a people that knew the mission of God and said, we are gonna stay on mission with him. We're going to live this thing out. I look at that, and here's the one challenge I want to give you as we leave today. Okay, here's the one thought. Many of you look at that and go, oh, Sean, it was so much easier back then. They didn't have social media. They didn't work 50-hour work weeks. They didn't have Atlanta traffic. Lord knows. It was so much easier to meet when they didn't have Atlanta traffic. Uh, You you go and you just try to rationalize all these things, but I want to tell you what's going to change the world is when we take the same heart that those people had and we begin to translate it into our culture. So here's what I want to ask everyone to consider today. Many of you say, that was them sean that was them but let me ask you a question what could happen in south atlanta if we move from that was them to saying this is us let's quit making it about all the things that people care listen we don't we're not called to make consumers we're called to make disciples we're not called to make everybody happy. We're called to be the love and the light of Jesus Christ in our culture. We're called to pursue people who are far from God and tell them that God loves them no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what's happened to you. God doesn't ever kick you to the curb. He loves you. What if 2,000 people, one church, two campuses, Two cities got radically aligned to one thing, moving from that was them to this is us. Here's what I think would happen. We would start seeing people added to the number daily, those who are being saved. You want to know one of the things I'm praying for as your pastor? I'm praying for the day that as in an entire church here, we baptize 365 people. Why? It represents one person every day standing publicly, giving testimony to Jesus Christ changing their life. I'm about 365 one relationships at a time. And I don't know about you, I think when we stand up and we get that bold about our vision, here's what the world will say, this is us. That's who they are. There's no unclarity. They're radicalized by love. They are radicalized by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And those people, that's them. That's the church. That's the church. Let's pray together.